Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. More than Topa Chico? Yeah. What was I listening to the other day where someone was describing the bubbles in Topa Chico? Oh, it was Gabrus. Gabrus, yeah. Talking about how they were sharp bubbles. What about Pellegrino bubbles do you like more? They're the right size for me. Yeah? It's a good fit. How do you feel about boba bubbles? Boba bubble, like uh, tea? Yeah. The tapioca? Yeah, Fra- solid bubbles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I think I know how you feel about it. I actually really love them. I'm a tapioca aficionado. Oh, yeah? I'm a tapioca enthusiast. You're a, you're a, you're a bubble... I like the yeah aficionado. I'm a I'm a, I'm a bubble bubble sir. Does that work? <laughs> no, it doesn't work at all. You know how everyone was started using the word canna sir. Right. Yeah, I was trying to do that, but with bubbles. Played out already, it just like work. gate, Watergate, Pizzagate. <laughs> yeah. Gate gate sir. is done. Sir is you done. Can't, you can't add sir like connoisseur sir to the end of anything. It nope. doesn't work. Been ruined. Nope. You know what wasn't ruined? What? Uh, my experience at Popeye's chicken. Oh sh. Yes. Have you Listen, had Popeyes before? I have never had Popeyes before. Uh, changed my life. Thank you so much for introducing me to the greatest chicken sandwich. You were so yes. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I was going to go over the chicken sandwich. It was an amazing chicken sandwich. I hadn't had it either. It was so worth the trip to Burbank. Uh, you insisted that we get biscuits to go. That's to- what I was going to say was like, yeah. you were so excited about trying Popeye's for the first time mm-hmm. that you turned a to-go biscuit into <laughs> a driving biscuit. And was that was so great. At your suggestion. I don't want to take any credit for that fucking driving biscuit, but it did inspire me to... Um, kind of crafted into a song because I've been obsessed with driver's license and I <laughs> <laughs> like the whole world is right now because it's the perfect pop song and so I, I kind of like rewrote the lyrics about it and I was like um uh I got my driving biscuit last night just like we always talked about because you were so excited for me to finally eat Popeye's chicken and we drove home through Burbank fighting over the last bite do you want me to go on? Please go on. And I know I'm not perfect, but I've never felt this way for a biscuit. And I just can't imagine how you could be so okay. I'd never had one. I guess you didn't. Oh, I don't remember the song now. I guess you didn't know you'd be changing the game for me. Because I've had that biscuit, and now I know what I was missing. Okay, there's one more verse. Good. I was hoping so. <laughs> Pop. Biscuit, I still see it crumble as we drive through Burbank. Popeyes changed me forever. It's the greatest biscuit. Now I fucking love it, babe. I could go on. <laughs> wow. Popeyes biscuit. <laughs> My arms want to wave in the air with you. I'm not a pop singer. Yes, you are. But I truly did love that driving biscuit. And uh, yeah, so there we go. Welcome You're, to Weed and Grub, everybody. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. <laughs> well, what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Incredible. You're a snack singer. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. <laughs> uh, this is a podcast about comedy. Cannabis. Culture. Cooking. 
And am I forgetting anything? Calling, calling shit, shit out. out. Yeah. Calling <laughs> and, and celebrating biscuits. <laughs> and celebrating biscuits and great things that are happening in the world and incredible guests today. Yeah. I would love more songs from you on this podcast. It, oh. <laughs> no pressure. But if you want to bring some more to the table, I'm here for them. A word? A word. Are you serious? Because I will bring them. Because I have a Casio keyboard. And I will plunk out terrible tunes and bring them on here to share with you and all of our listeners who are begging me to stop right now. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. They're really? all they're all thinking about driving biscuits. Because that's the best part. I also can I just say we have two of the most incredible athletes as guests. Yes. And we're opening with Popeyes. We're opening with yeah. Very self aware right now. Yeah. <laughs> Very aware of I our mean, choices. how do you even introduce Rachel and Megan? They introduce themselves because they're incredible they need no introduction they need none introduction so why are we even talking it's because it's what we like to do everybody's like get to them (laughs) but we have to get to some news we do and uh we've got a new sponsor yeah the grubla gazette is presented by ocb rolling papers the largest roller paper I'm going to do it again because they deserve a better intro. Okay. Don't cut this out, but they nope. deserve a better intro. Great. The Grublet Gazette is presented by OCB Rolling Papers, the largest rolling paper brand in the world, crafted naturally since 1918? Yep. Since for over 100 years? Yeah. Yo. OCB offers a full line of papers made with sustainable fibers, no GMOs, and no chlorine. All OCB materials are sustainably farmed from within a 500-kilometer radius, because they're in France, uh, uh, so it's kilometers, and the, their facility is powered by 100% green energy. People doing it right, the right way by yeah. right people? Isn't that awesome? Come on. OCB introduced the world to the first natural rolling paper crafted with pure organic hemp grown in Champagne, France. Ah, French Talk, champagne. Speaking of bubbles. <laughs> French champagne. <laughs> Just as Mother Nature intended, trust your premium legal leader to the finest natural and sustainably crafted rolling papers in the world. Don't put your champagne in a solo cup. Enjoy your entire smoking experience with OCB Premium Hemp Rolling Papers. Visit OCBUSA.com and follow OCB on Instagram at OCBUSA. Thank you, OCB, for presenting the Grubla Gazette. So let's get to the news. Let's get to our news this week. Okay, our news this week uh, is coming out of Oregon, and it's reported by a wonderful creative agency, Ladies of Paradise. Great follow on Instagram. And I learned about them because they posted about a business that had been robbed several times. It had been hit 15 times, Eden Craft Cannabis. And the reason that Portland dispensaries are experiencing this wave of robberies, there have been 126 robberies hitting Oregon dispensaries in the last year. And it's largely to do with the fact that they're forced to be mostly cash cash businesses because they aren't afforded banking services because weed is illegal at a federal level. That's right. Oh, so you can't open an account at a bank if right. you're a dispensary. So a lot of weed businesses are denied basic access to banking services, like being able to make a deposit after you've had a great day of business and then you're a sitting duck because robbers know that you've got a bunch of cash on hand. So this is a really important reason to legalize cannabis at a federal level so that these small businesses aren't targeted by armed robbers and you know deprived of all of their fucking hard work this particular eden craft cannabis was hit 15 times as i said crazy insane like one time i would be devastated two times i'd be like (laughs) oh no 15 times and they keep going because they're dedicated to their work and their belief in the plan Uh, see that's my freaking beef with all of this is that every single dispensary every single company everybody is following these rules and regs to create a business and opportunity for themselves to change the world have a better life Mm -hmm. give people the medicine they need Mm -hmm. 
and then they're going to get capped because they follow the rules all the way up to the point that they can. And then the government's like, sorry about you. Yeah, sorry about that. We're, yeah, we're going to deny you the access to actually be a business. But you're, but, but you're essential. And you're taxed. Yeah, and you're taxed. But no. But yes. <laughs> right. But <laughs> but maybe? But we can't make our minds up. Sorry. We're idiots. <laughs> Yo, get this get this on the federal tip because yeah. this needs to stop. That's it's, not okay. Especially if you think about all of the big bopper companies that are trying to swoop in. <laughs> big bopper companies. Like you know the singer from about? the 50s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, all the big boppers companies. All the big boppers. No, I do know what you mean. I mean, totally. Like, all of like these... as they sweep in and these um, these like entrepreneurial uh, companies mm-hmm. continue to get hit like this, yeah. it's only going to be easier for like big boppers to come in and just like <laughs> scoop the like scoop all the cereal into their bowl. Sure, yeah, for the conglomerates to come and do that takeover that conglomerates just love to do. So mm-hmm. let's keep supporting small businesses if you are able to support a locally owned uh, business fucking awesome. You know, if it's a legal business, please give your money to the smaller dispensaries in your neighborhood wherever you are because they are working really hard to do the right thing within regulations that are so hard to, you know, really like operate under. So, yeah, especially in Oregon, you know, yeah. like give your money to these small businesses. And, well, Oregon's um, on the f- like forefront of everything too because they just created a panel mm-hmm. to implement historic legal psilocybin therapy measures. So yeah. there's like a panel that is looking at psilocybin as medicine. Yes. Come on. Uh, Oregon's a great place. I love visiting Oregon. When we visited Oregon a couple of years ago, we passed through the initiative, which is actually how we came to meet uh, our guests. Yeah. Today, that was the connection. And they're my bet of the week, too. Should we get to Buds of the Week? In a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, on, on, the, on the supporting small business tip, I think mm-hmm. I, the only thing I wanted to say is, like, thank you all for supporting us. And if you want to support our sponsors, that is also a great way to support us. So, you know, it just goes a long way as we all hold hands and march towards legalization together. That's a great point. Supporting our sponsors is a way to support us. And also, we have a new way to support us. If you like Weed and Grub, we just launched a Patreon. Yeah. Bonus yeah. episodes once a week, a yep. bunch of exclusive extended interviews. I have some very silly ideas for giveaways. Mm-hmm. Or don't support it. If you just like these free ups, like, we're not going to stop doing them. It's all good. We're going to have our weekly up coming out every Wednesday, but we're also going to be dropping these fun bonus apps on our Patreon with cool guests. We've got some cool things things already scheduled we've got unedited interviews with some of the most amazing we were like oh it was a long conversation that we couldn't put the whole thing out on our regular channel but if you want to hear noel castler for instance like it's a crazy hour his about stories. his trump stories oh my god also you're going to be dropping your um snack food driving ep right where you're going to sing about a crunchwrap <laughs> supreme what is that one going to be called um uh, I think it would traffic be like, jam with my crunch wrap. I mean, yeah. Or I was just thinking, like, I I love a '90s throwback. I could do some like House of Pain, you know, callbacks. Like, I don't know, jump around. Oh, that's good. Get up, get up, and crunch down. Crunch down. Everyone hates this. No, they don't. If you like it, please let me know that you like it, and I'll keep doing it because I truly have such a great time. Yeah, it's so fun. I jump around, get up, get up, and crunch down. Fire, sauce, fire, sauce, fire, sauce. 
Oh, geez. I could do it forever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to our buds of the week okay. this week. And then our VIBs are very important buds. Wait, real quick. What is our Patreon link? It's do you just go to Patreon and you look up Weed and Grub, Weed right? Weed and Grub. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go first or second with buds of the week? Um, I'm going to go first because your bud of the week actually ties into Megan and Rachel and Mendy. Right. So my bud of the week this week is actually on Twitter. We usually have them on Instagram, but this is one of my favorite Twitter follows. Victor Weintraub, who is at <laughs> CPIN42, at CPIN42. Victor, just like king of the one-liners, they're all so funny. I pulled three of my favorites that he's recently tweeted. This one is, how many karate kicks should you do at a job interview? (laughs) Which is just like such a fun thing to send out as an earnest question to the Twitterverse. Like, hey guys, how many karate kicks am I supposed to do at a job interview? Uh, Another one is, my UFC walkout song would be, thank you for being a friend, (laughs) which would be so funny. And then the last one is, uh, first of all, I didn't karate chop your baby. We were sparring. (laughs) Victor Weintraut is just one of my favorite follows. He brings me so much joy. So if you're on Twitter, give him a follow. Yes. On, it brings such joy every morning when I scroll Twitter. I'm always like, yep, it's generally my favorite tweet of the day. He did it again. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. My vote of the week this week is uh, The Initiative, which is on Instagram at the In The Initiative. And they are the group in Portland that Amy Margolis founded in order to lead people through the process of setting up a legal cannabis business. And Mendy was one of out of the first cohort. Um, and Angel, I've got to give a special shout out to Angel who works at The Initiative because she was the one who actually introduced us to our connections to Mendy in the first place. So follow in the initiative on Insta. And um, if you are in Portland, you can go and visit their amazing space when they open up again. It's like a really cool workspace for people who are coming up in the cannabis game. It's so important. Yeah. They're a really important people. They're so fucking important. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Good Um, folks. Just like our VIBs. Our very important buds. Rachel and Megan Rapino of Mendy. Yeah. Who is another legendary athletic twin duo? I don't think there is another one. There isn't another one. They're (laughs) it. And they founded Mendy out of a desire to build a better future for sports through a CBD company, through plant medicine, because of their own, you know, use of CBD to treat their injuries as legendary athletes. Absolutely. So I ended up after our conversation, I got a Mendy starter pack and sent it to my dad Uh because he broke his ankle and can't sleep. Actually, I'll, let me give him a better way. He was backflipping off the roof when he broke his ankle on a dare okay. during a 4th of July barbecue because it's what he's known for. And he stuck the landing, but his ankle shattered. And uh, and then we all went, yay. And then uh, we gently held him up for a keg stand. Right. You know, yeah. gently, gently. And like then <laughs> we took him to the doctor because he's an animal. Um, but he texted me as soon as he got it. And he goes, wow, these gummies are amazing. I'm sleeping better. This stick is saving my life. When I golf, I use this stick every time. And he's only been using it a week, but already he is going to be a repeat client. So, you know, shout out to my dad, Steve. Shout out to Mendy for helping me help my dad, Steve. And shout out to Rachel and Megan for creating products that are for everybody. Yeah. You can find out more about them at themendyco.com, more about their team, how they are doing Oregon Proud. They've got a journal. They're hiring right now. You can get in touch with them on the website. And we just had such an amazing conversation. Just so grateful for Rachel and Megan taking the time to hang with us here on our podcast. Such a good hang. Yeah. So shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Without further ado, here's our interview with Rachel and Megan Rapino.
Rachel and Megan Rapino, thank you so much for joining us. This is so cool. This is so cool. We're so happy to be here. Well, I am. Are you, Rachel? I'm so pumped to be here. I've been wanting to be on this show for a while. Uh, Amazing. Well, I mean, let's start with Mendy. Can we start there? Because we became aware of Mendico when we visited Oregon two years ago, and we visited the initiative, uh, and Mendy had just graduated the first cohort. And I'd just love to start with, if you could tell us about the company, how it started, and where it's going. That's right. I do remember that. Okay, God, that feels like a lifetime ago. Anyone working in the cannabis industry, it's actual dog years. So if you work in it one year, you've actually been in it seven years. So I've now been in it 14 years, and it feels really good. Seasoned veteran. Yeah. Um, Gosh, yeah, that was a long time ago. That was like the origin story of Mindy. We we had been concepting for three years, and then Amy Margolis, who's one of the leading, you know, regulations attorney in the space, she started a um, female uh, uh, business accelerator program in Portland called The Initiative, and it was to empower women in weed and to, to help us learn how to stake our claim in this industry, particularly around fundraising, because we all know that um, actually in 2019, the statistics said 2.97% of female founded companies get funding in this country, which is crazy. So obviously that, you know, the odds are stacked against us. So she, she took it upon herself to help us all figure out how to talk to investors and raise money and connect us to investors. And here we are two years later and I'm raising my second round of capital. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so, so how did, how did it start? Like what was the seed of the idea that became Mendy? Well, um, it started honestly because Megan, I mean, I don't know Megan if I could say it, but like Megan and a lot of her teammates and, and other f- friends in the pro circuit, like they've been using the product for years. And I am definitely like a, a, a person who loves to connect dots and, you know, figure out puzzles to solve when it, in, in regards to business. So, and, and create opportunities from that. So, you know, I was like watching them use all these products and they didn't really know if it was hemp derived or marijuana derived or what dosages they were using and the application was all over the board and particularly they didn't have it really a trusted brand that they were using um they were all kind of going on these sites and um just hoping that it was a reputable company um but what they did know is they loved the product and the plant and they much preferred it over a lot of the other over-the-counter meds that they've been using for years um, but the, other than that, you know, they didn't really know the science behind it and there wasn't a trusted brand. So we felt like with the hemp farm bill passing in 2018, it was a real opportunity to be the trusted sports brand. Now we're a hemp company, but I mean, we're definitely like leaning hard into cannabis. We love cannabis. We love full plant. So, um, you know, the waters are still blue for that. So that's ultimately what we're trying to do is to win the trusted athletes. Yeah, it was like I, t- I kind of started to dabble in um, CBD use, I think in like 2017. And basically for my whole career, it was like, if you wanted an Ambien, you could get one. If you wanted, you know, Celebrex or a high powered, like, you know, anti-inflammatory, you could get one. If you wanted a Vicodin, like you could get one. And it's just like the way we travel and like how big our country is. We're constantly like going games all over the place. Um, you know, our games are really taxing. Also, a lot of times our league, like we're doing things as cheaply as possible. So you're like playing at seven, you have a 7am flight, whatever. So it was just like, how do you 
keep up. And I think especially getting older, I'm like, how do I deal with pain management? How do I like, you know, cause I would, you know, use sometimes like a Vicodin to fly. Cause I was like, I'm not really trying to get high. I'm just like uncomfortable. And like, it's so fucking far. Like the West coast to the East coast, like Seattle to Orlando, why are we going to the moon? Like, why is it taking <laughs> so long to get everywhere? And so, yeah, part of it was just like, okay, it, you know, obviously it was becoming more part of the mainstream conversation in the country, just, you know, weed in general and different states legalizing and obviously the CBD part. Like, we didn't know really anything. Um, and yeah, it was like, who knows what brand you were buying? Like, I don't know which one. <laughs> I don't know which one's good. I don't know mm-hmm. which one's like, you know, what even to look for. And so that's kind of where I started like dabbling and, you know, then sort of in swooped rage um, with this awesome brand. And I think for athletes too, you know, we're, I know for me being part of the, like the Olympic testing pool, I'm pretty much in the pool all year round, but we have in competition, uh, you know, days or months that were, you know, technically in competition. That's basically like at the Olympics or at the World Cup. And then the rest of the year we're, we're you know, out of competition so they don't test for everything, but it's just like, it's, it's hard when you don't know what to take. You don't even know what you're taking and there's not really a trusted source that you can go to, to be like, okay, these are my symptoms. This is what I need. Am I gonna, you know, pop a positive or am I, does it have, you know, THC in it or does it not? What's the difference between CBD and THC? Like all these things is just, it's so unknown. I mean, it's starting to become less taboo, but it's still, I think in the sports industry, um, and in the sports world in general, just still kind of this thing, like no one wants to be the first one that's like, yeah, we don't care if people smoke weed or we don't care if people, you know, use weed medicinally or, you know, topicals or whatever it may be. Um, which is actually, it makes me think of a, what, what am I saying? I have a million questions, <laughs> but one question in particular is where, because the, um, major league baseball, the NBA, the NFL, they are kind of just cool with it now and not really testing, but um, like where does the league stand and where does FIFA stand? And is this the end of an era when it comes to football? See, this is the problem. I feel like of all of the governing bodies, like we talked about NBA, MLB, NFL, the IOC, FIFA, all that, the IOC and FIFA, I think are the least progressive. They're so old and like, they just take, they're such big machines and like bureaucracies. They take, forever to do everything so even like MLB and NFL I don't know if NFL said this yet but I know uh, basketball both men's and women's yeah they're kind of just like we're not whatever they're not like hey we're we're with it but they're like we're not really testing for it I don't think our league does either Um, I'm not sure they they even have a testing pool so it's it's kind of up in the air the Olympic Committee has said CBD can be used in competition but they don't provide any way to certify that this that products are like safe. And the ban used to be two years. Now it's like, I think a year if it's under a certain amount and then you gotta go to this like drug diversion program, which is just ridiculous. So it's like, they sort of offer you this way to do it and then offer you no way to certify that you're safe to do it. So you're like, do yeah. I want to take this risk or not? And and in two when it used to be two years, people were like, obviously, we're not taking this risk. Yeah, it's in it. You know, the state of the leagues is kind of in an interesting place because being cool with it, but it actually being legal are very different. So in terms of like actual leagues that have lifted their bans, 
MLB has lifted the cannabis ban in general, so all cannabinoids, which is great. Now they're testing for opiates and I think cocaine now, actually. So they've now, they're testing two other drugs, they lifted cannabis, which is perfect. Uh, the MLS has lifted the CBD ban, CBD only though. So again, there's over a hundred different cannabinoids. So only isolating one cannabinoid, that's also kind of tricky. So just, and the WADA's done the same thing, but to Megan's point, they're not really certifying CBD companies. So they've lifted the CBD ban, which is a great step. That's only one cannabinoid, but they're also saying it's almost impossible to isolate CBD. So I wouldn't take it if I were you. And what's also interesting too, is it actually is like, to my knowledge, and we have awesome. a sports scientist. Thanks. Yeah, we have a sports scientist <laughs> yeah. on our board. It was the first thing we did when we launched Mindy. We all know that you can, there are markers for THC in your bloodstream. There are no markers. To my knowledge, to his knowledge, like we cannot figure out, we could not get an answer. Can you actually test for CBD in the bloodstream? To my knowledge, the answer is still no. So it also is this weird fear tactic because yes, THC can pop, but to my knowledge and like the, the, the science that's out there right now, um, I'm not sure that any other cannabinoid markers are in a test. So it is kind of like this weird gray area, but the MLB has lifted their ban. The MLS has lifted their ban. The NWSL does not test for cannabis. Um, and then football has not lifted the ban, but they said that there will be no consequences. And then the NBA has not lifted their ban, but they said they're not testing. So it's, it's like, Ooh. yeah, it's dumb. It's it so dumb. It's, it's mad dumb. Yeah. It, and do we want to keep going on this or do you want to talk about fear a bit? Because I feel like on that kind of fear tactic tip, um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, where an egg in a frying pan represented my brain if I tried <laughs> weed. Um, and I know you both grew up in Reading, um, but like, was there a moment where something shifted for you? Did you grow up and were, because it's one thing to get a doctor prescribed Valium and it's a whole nother thing to kind of like realize that there was a bunch of lies going on Do you feel like something changed for you in growing up? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think it's all about self-discovery to be honest I mean all of us pretty much grew up in the just say no to drugs era. So we all grew up thinking that um, Weed leads to bigger and, and worse things and then the older you get you've you know and and also I the Mindy story for me started a long time ago because obviously I played collegiate sports. I played a year in the pros. I had my first ACL reconstructive surgery when I was 21. So that was when I first was prescribed opiates. And that was also when I first realized like, holy shit. I mean, I'm getting like three refills of 90 Vicodin pills. That's insane for a 21-year-old. Um, and then fast forward till when I was 26, I had had six surgeries by the time I was 26. And I had taken more opiates than anyone at that age ever should. So you know, I had taken like also so many meds and, and pain management tools. And so I just knew that there was like, there had to be a healthier solution out there. And then Megan and some other athletes um, got me more comfortable using cannabis products. And so through the self-discovery process, that's when I realized through anecdotal evidence that like, oh, this stuff isn't scary. It's not addictive. It's not harmful. And it's helping me in all these ways over time. It's not snake oil, it's not a cure-all, but the more you take it, that's when I started noticing that like my inset or over-the-counter med use reduced 85%. I didn't need the afternoon coffee because I wasn't having like the high highs and the low lows throughout the day. Um, so yeah, for me, it was really just through the self-discovery process. And then 
doing the research. I have a master's in health and exercise. And so I'm, I was huge in like human performance, recovery, sports science. So then once I started digging into the data and the, the, the tests that have been done over the past three decades, I mean, there's just so much information to, to point in all the right directions. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, definitely growing up in the like scrambled brain era of everything. Um, but our brother also, our older brother, he's five years older than us. Um, he has been a long time heroin addict and a, and a pill addict, um, in and out of, you know, the criminal justice system, all these things. So I feel like the first part of my discovery was like being young, just like freaked out. We were like, Rachel and I were like, we're not doing anything. Like mom and dad can't take anything more. And we were just like, we're doing sports and like, whatever. Fast forward to college, like we do, we have these injuries, we get pills, like, you know, I've felt like the itchies from, you know, taking like too many pain pills, but it's like, they just give them to you. So you're like, I don't know, I guess I'm supposed to take them like every four hours. Like it's fucking crazy. You need them for like two days, maybe. I know. And you're like, oh, this is safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and they just tell you that safe, obviously. So, you know, understanding, like starting to understand that. And I think just my own process of like, you know, working through stuff with my brother and understanding that, understanding the criminal justice system. Oh, okay, now I'm understanding the opioid crisis more. That's just, just like fucking crazy. And everybody knew, and they're just like prescribing people all these things. Meanwhile, demonizing weed, which is like, you know, the worst thing that's really gonna happen is you're gonna sit on your couch for too long or something. It's like, it's, it's, it's the total opposite um, of reality in, in the country. And then for my own self, like understanding, okay, I can get all of these things, but those things didn't make me feel good either. And I think as I became older as an athlete, it really is all about like these little marginal gains. Like how can I recover better? How can I sleep better? How can I, you know, have my body sort of take the edge off um, without, you know, taking all of these prescribed pills? Obviously those are not, not good for you. Um, and so just kind of like, you know, dipping my toe into the water on, on CBD specifically, um, but definitely full spectrum CBD because you get some of the plant in there. I mean, it's it's hard to isolate it, and it's obviously not not as good when you do that. So it's kind of like this whole sort of like cultural, societal, like criminal justice, like you know, social reform, um, you know, happening for myself that leads me then to this place of like this is actually the best option and um, you know best for your body. But also there's there's so many other factors that go into it. As you changed your minds about cannabis, have you found yourselves in the position of educating people around you? Do you have people coming to you to ask, both you know, in the athletic world and, and in the weed world and in your family? Are you, are you finding yourself explaining it to people and having them really listen, or are you still encountering a lot of stigma and pushback? I think it's like people are curious. They're like, <laughs> I'm glad you're doing it first. Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of people that I play with just like, what are you doing? How do you do it? What does it mean? Am I going to get high if I take this CBD gummy? No, you're not going to get high. What is, what is CBD? What is a ca- uh, cannabinoid? Like I always get fucked up on that word. It's like, I just want like, as soon as I say cannabinoid, I want to like remix it and like do cannabinoidal fishes. All it's like, I can't ever say the word correctly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think people are really like curious and as it starts to become more popular, and just more mainstream in the country. I think they're like, how do we do it safely? But also there's, there is that fear for an athlete of like, I don't want to pop positive and then like have a two year ban. That's just crazy. And I think our family too is like, cause we've, you know, obviously with the experience with our brother and we have some ad- addiction in our family, just in general, everyone's kind of scared of it. But then it's like, 
okay, how, how do we educate people on how to use it or what it is? And, you know, now mom and dad are rubbing CBD all over everything. They're gobbling it all up. They're yeah, I mean, it. it's obviously more my job to educate the the benefits of hemp and you know cannabis or marijuana to the more mainstream audience but yeah i mean if you think about what the five most prevalent ailments are in our society pain inflammation sl- stress anxiousness and sleep deprivation like pretty much everyone has a touch point to one or two or multiple or all of those things, especially our younger generation, sadly, um, coming out of a year like last year, stress, anxiousness, sleep deprivation are like the, the biggest things that, you know, the millennials and Gen Z are struggling with, but even the older generation and our parents, especially pain, inflammation. I mean, my mom's been on her feet for, you know, 40 years waitressing. My dad's been a construction worker for also like 40 years. They've taken everything under the sun to help combat some of that stuff. Their guts are beat up. Like they're ready. People are ready for a healthier alternative. And they're tired of being lied to, I think, by big pharma and by the government, you know, because now a lot of this stuff is being unpacked and, um, you know, our, our communities are kind of like, well, what the heck? Why is this like really healthy thing? Why has it been oppressed for all these years? Why have I felt like shit for all these years? Yeah. Oh, you're making me want to pitch a Mendy idea. Can I pitch an idea to you? Please do. Yes. Okay. So, um, I have, um, a scar on my hip. That's like the size of a koi, like a koi size scar from like a koi fish size (laughs) scar from hip surgery. And I would love to hear professional athletes sharing their scars and their like bumps and bruises with Mendy because Mendy because CBD helps with all of those things and like if if there was a podcast talking about like athletic injuries I feel like people who are not athletes would hear that it's helping with these bigger things Mm -hmm. and realize maybe it can help I don't want to say bigger I'm talking myself into a corner on this pitch because I'm not doing a good job. But um, <laughs> no, I mean like, that's I love with it. Anything you know? Th- those are the touch yeah. points. That's our job, right? Is to connect, connect the daily routines or the game plan of how you can incorporate MIDI into your daily, weekly, monthly life. Because we know now, studies show, science shows that cannabis is best used like a supplement. It's it's you're not going to get the most benefits when you're just you doing it one off every like couple months or every six months. So you know, incorporating it into your weekly recovery routine or pain management routine, like that's where you're going to get the best benefits. And, you know, we have something for that. Actually, our salve stick has been next to our gummies. So our gummies are number one seller, but the salve stick is definitely number two. Um, and a lot of our athletes have used it to come back from ACL surgeries, meniscal surgeries, like various surgeries that have scarring. Um, it definitely is great. The arnica oil in it is really good for inflammation, really good for pain management. And then it has vitamin E, which is great for scars. Um, so yeah, we're like sort of hitting on that topic. Um, it's not specific about scars, but it's more for us. It's about like, what's your game plan? How can we incorporate it into your game plan? So you can start substituting out the stuff that's not good for your body, substituting in Mindy. But it's like people do, it's like, you know, whether you're a professional athlete or, you just like to be active or, you know, you bike ride or you're into hiking or whatever. Like, just because we're professional athletes doesn't mean that you don't have the same ailments as, as uh, you know, everyone else. Like, we have normal back pain because we're on our feet a lot, you know. Some people sit at a desk all day, so, like, they're going to have tension here or they're weekend warriors or, 
you know, they got involved in an intramural soccer team that they accidentally didn't mean to, and now they're playing every weekend. And, like, it's not just for the, like, high level, and it's not just for weekend warriors. Like, it really is for everyone, even just, like, our mom. Uh, you know, she's a waitress, but her job is really active. She's, like, up and down all over the place. She's carrying plates. She's on her feet for, like, five or six hours you know, a night or a shift or whatever it is. And so connecting those things, like you don't have to be a professional athlete to, to need, you know, what professional athletes need. Basically. It's like, we all like have the same shit going on. Yeah. My posture in 2020, I was shaped like a cook shrimp. (laughs) Like it was a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. just. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine. (laughs) Everything is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like cannabis being declared an essential during the pandemic, you know, should mean that every essential worker should receive some plant medicine for free for all of those. I mean, my hardest years of work were behind the bar. I was a bartender for 20 years working in restaurants. And, you know, I I look back at that time and I don't know how I did it now. I couldn't, I wouldn't last an hour behind a bar now. Mm-hmm. It's like all of the people who are working so hard, I wish we could just get them all some CBD to say, you know, give your, give your body a break. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is what your body needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask uh, a f- football question uh, that's kind of next to CBD for a second. Cause um, you both started playing so young and I'm just curious, like as you, as you both transition from these like incredible football stars as kids and dedicating everything to it and then entering the real world did you find that it was an easy transition to being a part of things or was it difficult like how did it affect you to be a part of the world it's a good question well you're still playing sports yeah but i feel like i've started my transition okay you're connecting the dots outside of sports you can connect with yeah let's let's hear your uh Let's hear your story. Well, for athletes, I mean, for professional athletes who have a long career, they talk about you you have two deaths. Like, you have your actual death when you really die, and then you have when you stop playing. And so many people do just that. They wrap their whole identity. And it's really hard not to. Like, it's your passion that you have from the time you're small. You have all these, like, you know, memories tied to it. Your, like, brain development is tied to playing a sport, um, you know, and something I, that you... I think it's intent. I mean, it's an intentional part of the culture of yeah. sports as well. I mean, you coaches, franchises, organizations, like they want you to be obsessed with it. They want yeah. it to be your only thing. Yeah. Like if you don't live, eat and breathe it, then somehow you're yeah. not like giving everything that you can to it. Uh, that is, that is definitely, true and and I think that I've seen a lot of my teammates or just other people not really feed the other parts of themselves or not even just make a plan because I think sometimes people try to make the plan and then they're like they get to the plan they're like fuck I don't like this either like this is like ah this is nuts but really like the developmental side and and having a life outside of your sport and being able to sort of put that away and I feel like I've tried to as I've gotten older you know, not only just dabble in other things, but like purposely and intentionally, like, what do I like? Okay. Do I like, you know, being, doing media stuff or do I like more behind the scenes or do I like more organizing or do I like business building or whatever it may be? I mean, I hope I'm doing it. I could get to that point. I'll have a real rude awakening, but I do 
value a lot of things about myself off the field and I I talk about it like that like soccer is not my whole life and I don't want it to be and I try to make it not that because it is really difficult when you have to transition I mean it, it feels like everything and it feels like you do it for so long but by the time I'll retire I'll be like you know 40 or younger most likely and then I have like 60 more years left like this can't be all that you are and I feel like you know I saw Rach go through it, you know, putting so much into it through high school and college and, you know, everything and, and playing for a year professionally after. And then it was like, okay, now I have to like start my life and feel fulfilled by other things. Or am I doing this job so I can have a certain lifestyle? Or do I pick a different job because I want to, you know, have a different life or is work everything? And I feel like, you know, you finding that work-life balance has been hard because I think it's at odds with society too like even if you're not an athlete if you're you just have a job like you should just like love your job and you know spend all this time doing your job and you know work late and do all these things and it's like well where's like the human part of that as well I think we missed that yeah I mean god there's so much to unpack because I definitely went through my death at 26 (laughs) now I'm back (laughs) into life again which is great Um, but it's, it's taken me a long time I think that like I said sports intentionally cultivates this this like fierce intensity and I think that that's a blessing and a curse you know when you're in it and you're playing in it I mean it really kind of is all about wins and losses but that doesn't transfer to real life like real life isn't wins and losses there's so much more in between and I think for every athlete when you're used to being in an environment that's so fiercely intense about competing and winning and winning at the highest level, it's really difficult that transitional period when you retire because like that doesn't immediately transfer to how real life is and probably what your next job is going to be, at least for me. Like I definitely had several jobs before we started Rapino SC and then before we started Mendy and I hated them. Like, I mean, that's the worst feeling in the world when you're, when you have to be somewhere for 40 hours a week. You don't feel intense about it. You don't feel passionate about it. You're not, you're making shit money, and you know you're used to you're used to like wrapping your whole identity and being this like elite athlete. Then all of a sudden you're not really an, an elite anything anymore. Um, so I think the transition period from that like fierce intensity to what life actually is like can be really difficult. And for some people, like for me, it took several years. For some people, it may be a shorter period of time. Um, I am a very passionate person though. And so ultimately I had to find something that I like really believed in. And, you know, the, the golden thread for me is like, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, it's, it's like doing, producing good into the world. I'm making good things for good people who want them. Um, and, and so it just took me a little bit of, of, of time on my journey to really like shake out what that looks like. I wanted to ask, I think you've just answered it though. I wanted to ask about what from your Pro career has translated into your work in cannabis, but also as as female athletes, uh, have you found any sort of pushback in the cannabis space as entrepreneurs because it is such a male-dominated space, or are you able to just completely come in and change the narrative because of your background already sort of breaking the norm and coming up against an establishment that you, you know, changed really? Yeah. Well, every space is male-dominated. So, so yes, it's male-dominated. And, yes, we're pushing up against that. And, yes, we're one of the very few female-founded, LGBTQ-founded. My business partner is a woman of color. 
we are like very few and far between it's part of our story and we're going to celebrate the hell out of it. And I want to lead with that because if people in Megan has like helped me really feel empowered saying this because I'm, you know, I'm raising money. Uh, only 3% of female founded companies get funding. And so we're up against a 97% failure rate. Right. And a lot of people say they care about equity and equality, but the single measure of that is money in this country. So if you actually love Mindy and love that we're female founded and love what we're doing and you care about equity and equality, give me your money. Show me by writing <laughs> me a check. Um, so yes, Show to answer me the money. Show me your money. Like that is the single measure of value and worth in this country. And so, yes, I mean, I, I feel all the time, especially with this raise now, because I'm, I'm raising with more institutional funding and VCs. Um, but, you know, an interesting thing too I, it took me a long time to, to connect these dots, but I had heard, you know, all through college and in my early years of my career that like people love hiring athletes and I didn't really understand why, you know, like, yes, we work hard and like, yes, we're competitive, but not all athletes are fiercely competitive and not all athletes work hard actually. So it took me a while to, for me to, um, you know, to define what is it about my athletic Rachel and my business Rachel that are actually going to benefit my business Rachel? Like, what is it about me that's an athlete that's benefiting the business side of me? And what I've realized is like actually being an athlete, obviously, yes, I'm very passionate. I work very hard. Um, I don't take no for an answer, really. Like I'm very resourceful. But I would say like the one, the, one of the biggest things that I've come to appreciate about myself from, from my athletic background is like you learn how to fail because you just, no athlete has never lost a game. No athlete has ever not made a mistake on the field or had a missed pass or a missed shot or whatever. So I'm you, like, you're just used to failing, even though you love winning and you prefer winning. Um, you, you just get used to making mistakes and you get used to failing and you just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps straps and like keep going. So I would say like, that's one of the biggest transferable traits that I've realized later in my life that I really appreciate from my athletic background. I don't know if I'm really answering your question, um, but to go back to your other question, yes, very much male dominated th- this industry. But again, I think I'm, I'm, I am like a very fierce competitor. And so I am definitely not gonna let that stop us. I feel like another thing is that you never get handed a win on the field or in any sport because you're rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, you never inherit wealth and then win a game because you are you know, you were born well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. That's just not the case in sports. Yeah, it does level it out, and that's something that I, you know, I encourage Rach when she's going into these like, you know, meetings or whatever. If she's trying to raise money or talking to these people, like, chances, like, unfortunately, chances are they're not going to give you the money anyways. So you might as well just like say it really plainly, like, hey, listen, ninety-seven percent of all of you guys' money, when it's it's normally men, but there are some women. Um, you know, who, who sort of fall into that as well. But like 90%, 97% of all of your money is not going to people like me. So if you are serious about changing the cannabis industry and giving more equity to women, people of color, formerly incarcerated, whatever it may be, then like this is actually the way that you can use the most important resource that you have, which is money or your ability to fund or your network. This is how you can actually change the world. And sort of leaning into that, I mean, I think oftentimes women try to, you know, try to not bring that up because you don't want to like, oh, I don't want to use the fact that I'm a woman to like try to get money. But it's like, whatever, or, it's already, or it's it's already like happening. Wanna, 
or you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. That's definitely like some yeah, feedback I've gotten is like, yeah. well, it's like you don't want to make the men feel uncomfortable. But it's like, well, it's really uncomfortable that two well, percent, only two percent of women, <laughs> or the, sorry, that the wealth in this country is only owned by two percent of women. Ninety eight percent of the wealth is is, uh, you know, uh, is by men. So it's like that makes me really uncomfortable. You yeah. know, I don't I don't really care about at this point. Especially, I think especially coming out of twenty twenty, I'm so much less concerned about ruffling feathers. Well, I think that's the athlete part of you too. It's like you take risks and most of the time you fail and you yeah. just like keep going, you know? And yes, there are some moments where you like, you know, you win or you win the bit, you know, the big trophy or you do the thing or whatever, but pretty much all the other moments, like you're just failing your way up to where you're going. It's and true. That's, yeah. And it's hard. And you just like got to take those L's and just like keep pushing. Man, that's inspiring. <laughs> This, this is like, the back of the Wheaties box should just be all of that. It should just be a very long Wheaties Take those quote. L's and keep pushing. Take those L's, get your money. Exactly. <laughs> that actually kind of ties into, we were listening to a Sideline Huddle just before this, and that is your podcast. Everybody can check it out on YouTube, Sideline Huddle. It's very cool. And um, you were talking with Sue and, uh, is it NECA? NECA Ogumake, yeah. Yeah, about um, how they were, um, they just pivoted from trying to engage with a Georgia senator to just supporting a Georgia senator who aligned with their views. And you both have these platforms where you can reach an audience. Do you think it's important to engage with people who disagree with you? Is it important to have conversations? Is it, or is it more important to continually align with those people who you also agree with and just build a bigger, stronger ship? I think that if the person you agree with is genuine and wanting to have that conversation, wanting to have that discourse, then absolutely. I think that's kind of the the sort of lane that I've taken. Um, I get a lot of people disagreeing with me all the time and I'm fine having those conversations, but if it's just to like go through the exercise and we're not really getting anywhere anyways and like I'm riling you up and you're riling me up and we're not genuine and actually trying to find touch points where we can progress forward or find some common ground, then it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. Like I don't care if everyone agrees with me um, I think there's enough people that agree or enough people that feel the same way. I mean, I think that the Georgia Senate election is, is the perfect example. They used the power that they had at the time, which they were playing. They were on TV. Obviously, one of the teams is owned by Kelly Loeffler. You know, Kelly Loeffler was, was trying to rile up her base. So in, in engaging the WNBA players, what she was doing was not engaging in a meaningful conversation or a genuine conversation around Black Lives Matter or the Black Lives Matter political organization, whatever people want to have that distinction. She was just trying to rile up her base. And so anything going back and forth with her was disingenuous because that's all she was trying to do. So they just said, okay, no problem. Like you can say whatever you want to say. That's your first amendment, right? and everybody gets that. And we're just gonna support someone who aligns with our values more. So I think it depends on the situation, but I, I don't think people should feel like they have to engage with every single person, quote unquote, on the other side, um, just to have a meaningful conversation because there's a lot that can be done when we have consensus and we get together and we vote and you know whether that's in a small election or the general election or you know different causes. But I think that, you know, getting all the people together who actually do feel the same and want to make progress, I think that's really powerful too. And, and oftentimes I think that people 
feel like they have to engage the other side, no matter how disingenuous it is. You make me hopeful for unity. I'm such a cynical <laughs> dude. You make me hopeful <laughs> cynical for Cynical like... too, but <laughs> I, I do think there's more unity out there. I think that, you know, the media landscape does not help. Um, Fox News does not help. I think we live in a country that has a uh, that has different realities, truly, or at least people's perception of reality is different. But I feel like if you just start making people's lives better, like you can't deny that, you know, that, that that's what happened with Obamacare is like, or the ACA, whatever you want to call it, that people, you know, Republicans tried to take it away and everyone was like, well, hold up. Where are, you, where are you going with my health care? We can leave this one. We hate Obama, but you can leave my health care. And it's like, make people's lives better. I mean, that brings us back to the can, cannabis industry. Like, make people's lives better. And, like, they're going to be okay. They're, they're not going to just continue to rally against or rail against an issue when it's actually making their lives better and they're educated about it. Um, I, I really want to ask you, too, about your relationship as as siblings and how... It plays out as uh, entrepreneurs. Like, are you? Are you? Do you push each other, or are you each other's supports? Is it? Is it a little bit of both? Is there a give and take? I mean, yes. Yeah, she call, She's called me five times today already, and it's only four forty-four p.m. What are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah. you have like a real job where you work like from the morning until a certain time, and I just like. You know, I have a job, but it's there's a lot of free time in there. There's a lot of downtime. Yeah, I can text and call, and I'm like, what she, are you doing though? Because you, I know you're at home at your monitor. Yeah, she <laughs> calls me literally at every lull period in her day. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it's totally doing? fair. Um, I'm just wondering what you're up to. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, I don't I don't really know a lot of other twins to be honest. Meg, do you? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know like. I don't know the ins and outs of other twinships and their dynamics. Um, I have heard that Meg and I are quite unique and we're, we're really uh, entertaining to be around because we're like brutally honest with each other. Um, you know, for us, it's just normal. Like we talk every day. We talk multiple times a day. We talk about everything under the sun. Um, she's obviously like my other half. I mean, I talk about her about every, I talk with her about everything. I think sometimes like we do have to, have boundaries because we can we can go from work to family to friends to partners to like we're just going in and out all the time and sometimes it's like whoa okay wait a minute let's let's talk about work later how are you doing what's going on I mean we can just so easily move through the like fluidness of our lives because we both are you know business entrepreneurs and we we love the business where we love talking about it I think we both have like very curious minds um we've, you know, obviously like have very different lifestyles and we have for a long time because I've been working Monday through Friday, eight to five, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's pretty great. I have to say having Megan as, as my twin is probably one of the biggest blessings of my life. That's so sweet. Do you have a special ringtone for each other? No, not no, ringtone. She knows. We do the double call. So it's like, I'll call you and you'll I'll block her because I'm on I'm in, a meeting. I'm in a meeting <laughs> she can't answer it and I'm like well, she let me just call one back. more time are you actually in a meeting and then it's like if she blocks me again I'm like okay fine you're actually yeah in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's definitely a lot actually, of double calling going on yeah a lot of double calling <laughs> I think it's actually really cool since you've since you've taken over Mindy well founded Mindy and are now the CEO I feel like that sort of coincided with me more being entrepreneurial um 
and us being able to like give advice to each other. And I think, you know, it's cool. It's like, I do have an opportunity to, you know, be in rooms with other CEOs or, you know, be, you know, associated with brands or, you know, meet a lot of people. And I feel like just for me, I feel like I can give her a lot of advice. Like, you know, not everyone is as smart as they think, you know, or don't ever go into a room and think, you know, people are smarter than you and don't think you're smarter than them. Um, or just like with the female stuff, just, you know, especially with being a company that I feel like really puts social justice and equity and equality at the forefront, like just lead with that. The worst thing that can happen is you're not going to get the money. Like you probably weren't going to get the money anyways or stuff like that. So I feel like we're able to sort of bounce our kind of different worlds off of each other and yeah, be, be that kind of support system. Cause we know each other so well, like I can imagine, you know, her in these rooms and know like the little, you know, things that I can help with or she can help me with. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I feel like we're finding our like business groove as our twinship. Did you both pretend that you were any other soccer players when you were younger playing and like for me, for hockey, I always pretended I was Patrick Waugh when I was in goal forever because I was like, oh, I get to be Waugh and he's Gretzky and all that. Did you have people that you were pretending to be when you were growing up playing sports? Well, I would say we wanted to be Michael Jordan. But, you know, growing up when we were little, there wasn't a lot of like women's sports on TV. Not until we were like 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not until the 99 World, World Cup. Cup. Kobe Jones yeah. was definitely like a household name. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, we were, I mean, we played, obviously we love soccer, but actually basketball was our favorite sport for a long time. We just like stopped growing and we were never going to get the college opportunities that we were going to get for soccer. So we kind of, I think our junior year, we decided like, okay, we're going to play soccer in college. Um, yeah, but five, four I, and five, six is not going to cut it. Yeah. But, <laughs> With a hundred inch vertical. Exactly. That's what we exactly. I mean, I could dunk, but like they just, yeah. I was still too short. Uh, no, I would say, and make, uh, maybe maybe this isn't your truth, but like I would say I was much more obsessed with basketball. Yeah, no, we loved it. I think we were actually much more focused on beating each other than trying to be someone else to beat someone else. We were like, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat you. Yeah. Like we had these wild one-on-one where Rachel basically beat me and everything all the time. But Oh, my God. We, played, we literally played one-on-one fill-in-the-blank everything all the time we grew up on like five acres in the country outside of reading um some of my famous favorite memories though not that like you guys asked to go down memory lane but when it would snow once a year we would put on every single jacket and puffy that we had and we'd play tackle football in the snow and that was like, I mean, we would just be out there for hours with like, I mean, we would have like five jackets on and like our be like five beanies on. And yeah. Awesome. Uh, because this is weed and grub, we have to ask about snacks, food. What, what are your go-to things that you want to eat at any time of day? Well, um, I was listening to your guys' podcast um, about Milk Bar the other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Any of those cookies. The like cornmeal one is outrageous. Yeah. Anytime that I can get my hands on that tin with that assortment of cookies is ridiculous. We actually have an amazing place here in Seattle called Hello Robin. And they have a, it's called a Mackle S'more. And it's a chocolate chip cookie with a little graham cracker square with marshmallow like melted into the cookie. 
and then um, a chocolate melted on top of it. And it's not like this big or anything. It's just a normal size cookie. I actually have one sitting over there. I'm gonna be eating it later. It, and <laughs> when you go to the actual store, it comes, you can get it in an ice cream sandwich. Outrageous. I'm like fanning myself. Yes. Like I broke into a little bit of a red sweat. <laughs> like, yeah, holy cow. That's, um, that's a definite snacky cake. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I don't have much of a sweet tooth, so I don't go for the sweets. I am like a potato chip queen. I love just salt and pepper. I love just salt. I love like sweet onion. I mean, I jalapenos. I am like a total, that's my vice, 100%, potato chips. Is this a kettle cooked situation? Is this a um, a wide tortilla situation? Do you like the folded? What what really hits the spot? It's It's all about the crunch, all about the crunch. So I would say like kettle chips, are my favorite. New Seasons, it's like a chain up here in the Northwest. There's some down in California, but they have their own line of potato chips now. That's become my number one. And then Kettle's my number two. But I, I like like the really good, hard, loud crunch. Salty. The kind you can't sneak into a movie theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want to do some plugs? Yeah. Let's do some plugs. Let's do some plugs. Where can everyone find Mendy, uh, anything exciting coming up? What about your podcast again, Sideline Huddle? Everybody should check it out. Um, Please share whatever you like. Okay. So you can check us out at www.themendyco.com. We are just Mendy, but Mendy.com is taken. So we're, we're, people sometimes refer to us as the Mendy Co., but it's actually, you can drop the Co. and the The, just Mendy. Um, At the Mendy Co. is our Twitter and Insta um, handles. And I'm at our Rapino. Um, I would say, like, yeah, keep keep follow us. We have some really exciting new products coming out this year. We have a very um, a very dope Olympic campaign that we're doing with our athletes. So I would follow along. Sideline Huddle is our athlete video series where it's like one on one, just like we keep it real with our athletes. We had season one last year. We just we're now actually rolling out the last season of season two with our last athlete, and then we'll roll out season three in the fall. Could we end on one? It's going to be, I, it, we were, when we were emailing, we were going to do a secret BFF handshake. Yeah. If, could we do like a zoom to end where it's like we do the wave and it travels around to everybody yeah. to sign Who's out? First? Even um, If we go R- Rachel to Megan, to Mary Jane, to myself, back to Rachel. Okay. Okay, ready? Okay. Oh, well, I didn't know we were doing, like, really fancy waves. I, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> Yours wasn't great. I I'll know. It, it was, was like a great. silent, I fancy was just wave. The wave. Okay, well, said... I need to do this again. Because my wave okay. kind of okay. sucked. Should it it was so this... boring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wave noise it. coming with it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.